Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Billboard Chartbeat Podcast. I'm Gary Trust, Billboard Senior Director of Charts. And hey guys, it's Trevor Anderson, a chart manager here at Billboard. And hi, I'm Kevin Rutherford, and I am also a chart manager here at Billboard. Guest star, check it out. <laughs> wow, they let me on the mic again. Finally found where you guys record this, and I'm never going to go away. <laughs> We're actually giving you lead vocals uh, this week, uh, Kevin. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, we've got Dave Grohl coming up of the Foo Fighters here on the Billboard Sharpie Podcast, the number one act in the 30-year history of Billboard's Alternative Songs chart. Kind of amazing. It's amazing that that band, and we're going to kind of get into this with him, how he has been able to, and he and his entire band have been able to have this crazy longevity on this chart. You know, it's been around 30 years, but they first made it in the mid-90s, and they are, were still making charts as of earlier this year. It's not like some sort of situation where, you know, it's an all-time chart, and then someone's still number one by virtue of stuff they did 30 years ago, but they haven't done anything since. Like, they're still around, and it's kind of crazy. Not to uh, give it away, but he's going to talk about, and I think this is a really key part of their uh, longevity and success, uh, it's about the songs. Sounds maybe really simple, but uh, as much as uh, uh, the production, some of these songs are really uh, really hard rock, some of them, uh, at their core, some of these are just, they have great pop hooks that anyone mm-hmm. can sing. Exactly. That's something that I think even Dave himself has talked about over the years, the, the challenge of making like a melodic hard rock band. And they have absolutely been able to figure that out. And uh, that's something that like, it's, it's definitely a formula that a lot of people have tried to figure out over the years um, to varying success, but they, to this day, can still do it. Favorite Foo Fighters song? Um, my favorite's got to be The Pretender, um, which is their biggest song on the chart, actually. It's number five on the all-time songs list. It's got the best bass line, I think, it, that I can think of right now in terms of rock radio over the years. Just a fantastic bass line, great hook, just awesome song. For me, I'm in total Red Sox mode this week, because we're taping this on Wednesday. The Red Sox won last night. But in uh, after 2003, the Red Sox lost to the Yankees in the ALCS that year. Just heartbreaking loss. I remember there was a there was some documentary. I don't know who did it, but uh, they had times like these. 
as uh, the central song when uh, the home run was, was it hit. the um, was it the acoustic version or the uh, actual full band? Well, it was the part where the song where it ends, where it gets really quiet, mm, and just okay. the lyric takes over, and, and if you can. Uh, Sports can make you emotional, and it, really, it was just a perfect tie-in. And because they won in '04, it was all good. But uh, that, that's the one thing I really remember about that documentary is, is that song and how how uh, perfect it was. Yeah, absolutely. It's been used for years. I mean, I think it was even one of the songs. I think it was like the main song for my prom one year, also. Yeah. And this was like you know five years after I think the song had come out. So it's it's definitely been used many times for that sort of emotion, for sure. All right, Dave Grohl of the Foo Fighters, our special guest coming up here on the Billboard Sharpie podcast, Foo Fighters, the number one act of all time in the 30-year history of Billboard's Alternative Songs chart. I've got another confession to make I'm your fool Everyone's got the chains to break Holding you Were you Hey, Dave, this is Kevin from Billboard. How are you doing? Hi, Kevin. This is Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. Not not too bad. Uh, you're out in Colorado today, right? We are in Colorado tonight. We're just kind of packing our bags from Phoenix. Gotcha. Okay. Well, good luck on the show tonight. We also wanted to talk about the band's big uh, news that you're number one on our 30th anniversary all-time artist list for the Billboard Alternative Songs chart. So uh, first of all, congratulations. That's a really cool honor. Thank you very much. It is an honor, and it's hard to believe. I mean, I can think of so many other iconic, giant bands that would be considered alternative, and I don't know why we would be number one. (laughs) It's kind of funny. Uh, I guess maybe we've been around for a quarter of a century had something to do with it i'm not sure um certainly helps but no i was i got i got tipped off last night and it blew my mind i just thought you know we're we're uh i don't know it's just it's it's a trip i mean it's kind of a time warp because then i just start thinking about all the years that's gone by and you know the first album and the second album and the third album and the fourth album and thinking wow did any like People were really listening. Holy shit. <laughs> cool. <laughs> now, back when you were first creating the music that eventually became Foo Fighters music, did you have any idea that it would become among some of the formats and, and genres most recognizable music ever? No. I mean, I didn't even think it was going to be a band. You know, I started recording songs by myself, playing all the instruments when I was maybe. 18 or 19 years old in my friend's basement studio in Virginia. And um, I remember here, and I was thinking about this the other day, I remember hearing the first Lenny Kravitz record, and someone told me, yeah, he plays drums on all those songs, or he plays all the instruments on all those songs. I thought, wow, that's so cool that, you know, he could go into the studio by himself and make his own record, you know, and he's a fucking great drummer. He's an amazing drummer. But anyway, so... Long before I was in Nirvana, I was recording these songs by myself and letting my sister hear them and my friends hear them, but I never for one minute thought that 
it would even be a band or that the world would hear them. And so then when I joined Nirvana, um, I had a basement studio in my house in Seattle. And on breaks between touring, which is report things by myself, um, almost in a therapeutic way, you know, just to kind of keep keep the, the muscle moving. And, you know, when you're in a band like Vermont, you don't necessarily want to, to uh, introduce your music into the grand scheme of, of, uh, of the music, you know? I mean, when you're in a band with the greatest songwriter of our generation, you don't want to stroll into cassette and say, hey, I think I have a song I think we should play. It's like, we had some pretty good songs already. <laughs> so I was, um, so I was just kind of hiding these things away in my basement. And once Nirvana was over, uh, I wasn't sure what to do. So I kind of gathered maybe 13 or 14 of the, of the tons of songs I'd recorded and decided to do it properly in, a, in an actual recording studio down the street from my house. And I spent five days and made a hundred cassettes and just kind of gave them to people. And then that's when it turned into a band because I thought, wow, I mean, I don't necessarily want to sit down at a drum set right now. Maybe I'll try this lead singer thing to stand up and play guitar and sing into a microphone. And, um, and yeah, that was really the beginning of it. And after that first record, we thought, okay, well, let's make one more. You know, it's almost like backpacking through Europe. You don't <laughs> spend your life doing it, but you got to do it at least once. You know, so we thought, okay, let's let's um, let's let's do it again. And this time, we'll get uh, an established producer, and we'll really work on it. Since the first one was just me, five days in the studio. So the ball just kind of kept rolling and it was a nice way to, to, um, it was a nice way to, to feel like life had direction and that there were things to look forward to because I didn't want to get stuck in that place where I was when Nirvana ended and music has always been very therapeutic to me. And, um, so, you know, I just, I know, I never ever thought that we would be in the place where we are now. I, I mean, anybody who would imagine that happening is just fucking insane. Like, it's just, if someone told me we'd be where we are now, I'd tell them that they were wrong. There's absolutely no way that's possible. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it really is all hard to take it. I don't spend a lot of time thinking about it, you know? I mean, I'm more mm-hmm. concerned with, in my backpack, but every now and then you look back at what you've done and, you know, I'm proud of what the band has achieved. I really am. And the fact that, I mean, really the, the biggest challenge is just survival. And I don't mean in a musical, in, in the sense of a music career, I mean, just in life, just to be able to survive as long as we have. I've just had a lot of friends go the other way and, and, um, so we we feel very fortunate, very blessed that um, that we're still here for sure. You have been around for so long, but you've been able to continue to put out these songs and these albums that really connect with people and get they're they're all over the radio. 
what do you think the secret is for your band in terms of uh, achieving that sort of longevity? Growing up outside of Washington, D.C., a little punk rock kid going to see the fastest, the noisiest, the most dissonant, the um, the most terrifying bands in these small alleyway clubs. Um, noise was never a challenge for me. I mean, I, I, I've, I've spent a lot of nights listening to just noise, <laughs> just like <laughs> industrial noise, whether it's bands like fucking, you know, Honey Lodge or Throbbing Gristle or, or crazy psychic TV and crazy industrial shit to being raised on the Beatles. And to me, the, the challenge was always trying to craft a song that was, that was simple in a way that people would connect to it um, emotionally. You know, like even just a melody, that's a funny thing. Like a lyric is one thing, but, but there's something that a melody, a melody can do to, to twist your emotions. Just the, the, the sound of a minor scale or, or the, or a major scale rising in a chorus, something like that. Like it just, just the notes will twist your heart. And so that was always a challenge for me. That's the Rubik's cube, you know, trying to find something that, that um, that braids a melody and a lyric that will braid together and create four minutes of memory that you'll have for the rest of your life. And so, um, so I think it's I, I think I think the reason why we have so many people sing along is because of that. It's a challenge, you know, and it, it you know you 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 kind of set these goals for yourself to see if you can do it again. You know, I mean, it's like you're, even when you're crawling to the finish line, you know that it's there. And, um, so here we are at the last seven shows of our tour. We've been on for a year and a half and I'm ready to take a break, but I'm ready to, to do it again at some point. And I can, when I, when we start making records, it's almost like I don't hear the songs. I can see them in my head. So I don't read music. So I see music kind of in shapes and patterns. And um, so I can, I, can, I can see the next record. I know that there's another one there. I don't know when, but I, I think I know what we should do. And we've been lucky. We have this divining rod that we've followed for fucking 24 years or whatever. And it takes us where we think we should go. But um, I think, you know, I think that's the trick. Whenever bands ask me for advice, I'm not a businessman. I, I don't know. I don't know where the music industry is at right now. I'm sure should a lawyer. But I do know that you have to write great songs. And that's it. And every once in a while, we'll get close to writing a great song. And... Um, and it, it makes all the other shit worthwhile. And I, I think that, you know, if you're, if you're a great performer and you write great songs and someone comes to see you play, you blow their mind and then they come back. And next time there's 50 people, and the next time there's 75 people, next time there's 500 people. And really, if you keep at it, it can happen. But you have to have the true love for it. 
it can't come from a place where you're just imagining being on a cover of Billboard. You have to actually love and obsess over this thing that is music. And I'm one of those fucking nerds. I can't help it. <laughs> of course. I wanted to ask you really quick, speaking of melody and, you know, great music, um, not just, you guys aren't just number, you know, one on the all-time artist list, but The Pretender is number five on the all-time songs list. And uh, I think a lot of people would say that's got one of the best melodies and just best sounding songs of the entire Foo Fighters catalog. When you guys wrote that song, you know, it's been over 10 years ago at this point. Was that, did you feel like you had something really special uh, the moment you recorded it? Well, it's funny because we actually wrote and recorded a demo of it while our producer was on vacation, right? So we were making that album, and our producer, Gil Norton, went to Greece or something for a week, and I'd been messing around with this chord progression. So it was almost like, you know, when the parents are away, the kids will play. And so we, Taylor and I sat down, and I said, okay, let's do this. Here's the chorus, and this is the verse, and chop it up like this and then go into halftime or whatever. And we kind of arranged the song like that with this little sort of rock and roll boogie woogie middle section. That whole thing. And we did a demo, not with vocals, just with, with the um, instrumental. And Gil came back and I think he was kind of bummed that we had done this while he was away. But we, we tried to convince him that this is something that should be on the record. We think this should be on the record. And he kind of wanted to get into it and pull it apart and rearrange it and stuff. And we were like, no, 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 let's, let's just, it should be like this. And that demo, we basically used um, the, 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 the song that you hear on the radio is basically the, the, the demo with a few things re-recorded. And, um, you know, sometimes it happens really fast like that, and I, I knew that it was I knew I knew that it was something the album needed, um, and that's happened a lot of times. Like a lot of our best songs happen towards the end of an album because we love making albums. I mean, I know that everyone's concerned with singles and stuff like that and radio, but I love making records. Like I love making a whole album and sequencing it together like a set list or it has a beginning and it has an end. I even still think of things as end of side A and beginning of side B. Like I still think like that. And so when you're putting an album together, uh, you towards the end of the process, you realize that it might need something else. We don't have one of these songs or we don't have one of those songs. So songs like Everlong or The Pretender or The Sky's Neighborhood, those have all come at the very tail end of making an album because I, I'm either inspired by the process of making the record or I look at what we have and think, now we need one that has this rhythm or we need one that has this melody or this lyric. So um, a lot of our songs that people know are ones that have come at the very end of making a record. We didn't walk in there with any of those songs, but we walked out with those. Well, um, again, congratulations. Thank you very much for your time today. And um, good luck with the rest of the tour. And uh, hope you're looking forward to that break. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. I'll see you around. Yeah. 
softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.